Fresh eyes, fresh heart, fresh start. That's what we're working on. And today, of course, we're working on the fresh heart. But let me get there. Last week I shared a little bit of, of this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. All right, he's speaking to us. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How many can say amen to that? Part of that is that we need to understand what it is that the Lord wants to really do with us. In fact, I would dare say some of you are here today because you want to know, what is this all about? What is God all about? What what does it mean to be a Christian? What am I supposed to do with this? All right, you're in the right place. First, and I said this last week, this was our topic, we needed fresh eyes. That means that we needed some... We needed to filter everything we are looking at out there with God's eyes. And a big part of that, of course, is understanding what this says. What does the the Bible say to you and to me? If we understand the Bible, we will never, we will never go astray. If we do, it's our own fault. Amen? Amen? So understand what the Bible says. We need God's eyes. Fresh eyes, fresh heart, fresh start. Today, fresh heart. That's what I was talking about just a minute ago. God wants to do something in you. He started working on me last week when Mac and and, uh, Jeff prayed for me and the jackhammer was going. And I don't think it was coincidence. I think the Lord did that last week so that I could prepare this message this week. You see, many of us have stony hearts. You get a stony heart many ways, but one of the biggest ways is through sin. If you continually sin, that leads to a stony heart. But it can also be things in your life, stuff that's happened to you over the years. Maybe you were abused as a child. And you know, when we learn... As we learn how many were abused as young people, it just blows me away. It breaks my heart. I know it breaks his too. But that can cause somebody to have a stony heart. All right? So if if that's you, just listen to today's message and let the Holy Spirit in. Let him minister to you today as only he can because, listen, you got to act on what God does. You have to let him in. You have to open the door and say, come in, Lord. And then as he's in there, you have to start doing some of the things that he challenges you to do. Being a Christian is a verb. Hallelujah. Fresh heart. To get to the heart of the matter, we're going to talk about, pun intended, we're going to talk about two men in the Bible. In the Old Testament, The first, his name was Saul, not the same Saul as we talked about last week, because this Saul isn't in the New Testament, he's in the Old Testament. And then we're going to talk about David. So those two. And by the way, if you're a parent and your kids are down there today, you're going to hear some of this from them. So I would challenge you to talk to them about this today. So as we look at these two men, what I want you to really see is that one of these kings was rejected because his heart was not right with God. The other one was accepted because his heart was right 
with God. He went after the things of God, as all of us should do. And what I wanted you to understand is that there are two types of hearts. There's a soft heart and there's a hard heart. Which one do you think we want? Soft. We're going to talk about that. But as we look at this, what I want you to really understand today is, and and there's a a physical side to this, but I believe it leads into the spiritual. And Brian, I talked about you last week. I'm going to say it again. When the doctor got in there and they saw Brian's heart, he said, your heart is still young. It's soft. It wasn't hard. The disease, heart disease, can make your heart hard. You don't want that, all right? If it's hard, that means it's dying. uh, Roger. Brian's heart was still soft. It was pliable. And if I can put it this way, God can still shape it and mold it. Once it gets hard, have you ever worked with clay? When it's soft, you can what? Mold it and shape it. But as soon as it gets hard, that's it. All right, and, and that's kind of where this message is going today. So if you have a stony heart, at the end of this message, we're going to talk about giving that up to God and letting him do the jackhammer on you, kind of like he did me last week, right? And if it's already soft, praise God, just enjoy the message and take this in so that you can share this with somebody else. Where do we get a soft heart? Talked about it already a little bit. Ezekiel 36 talks about this, and he said, I will give you, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. You know, when you come to Christ, when you are born again, when tw- in the Bible, we're also, it's also called twice born. When you become born again or twice born, the Lord puts his spirit in you. A new spirit. We're going to get into this even more next week, but what I want you to grab hold of today is there's only one that can do this for you, and that's God himself, and he wants to do that. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Who's it responsive to? He wants you. When he speaks, he wants your heart to beat for him. When you come home, if you have an animal, let's go with dogs because cats aren't always this way. When I come home, my dog hears my car. I'm 500 feet down the road, and he hears it, and he starts barking. Why? Because his heart beats for me. Master's coming. He gets so excited. And it's not just me, it's any one of my family. When Andy and Sarah showed up uh, Friday, he got so excited that they were there. When Troy came home yesterday, and Troy had only been gone an hour, and he was still just as excited. It's like he'd been gone forever. Why? Because his heart beats for us. That's how we should be with our master. With God himself our loving Heavenly Father. That's the relationship He wants with you. And I will put my Spirit in you so that you 
will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. When you have a heart for God, you'll do the things that you're supposed to do. Remember earlier, I said it's a verb to be a Christian. Much is required of us. There are some that make it sound like, well, man, you just need to get born again, then everything's right. Well, in a sense it is. Your heart's right. But there's so much that comes after that decision. There's a daily walking out that, where you need God's Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth, to counsel you. Maybe you're stuck with something, some sinful nature that you can't seem to get rid of. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to help you with that. That's what God wants to do. He wants you to have a tender, responsive heart. Responsive to God, obedient to His voice. And as I've said, only He can give that to you. So let's begin with the first king. Everybody say, the first king is the bad example. Big Saul. Big Saul because he was. The Bible says he was head and shoulders above all the other Israelites. In 1 Samuel 9, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I do have most of the scriptures up behind me today. The prophet Samuel had just explained to Saul how God wanted him to be the leader for Israel. And when Saul replied, it's not the kind of response that anybody wants to get from somebody that you just said, God wants you to be king. Listen to what he says. He says in 1 Samuel 9, verse 21. I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Now imagine if you were Samuel. You're the high priest. You're the prophet. You're the man. And God had told you, go and anoint this man. He's going to be the new king. And by the way, when, when a prophet anointed someone, it was an election. That man was God's choice and nobody was going to argue with it. So God had determined, yes, Saul is the one. Now hear this part. If you are ever in an interview and they say to you, God told us you're supposed to run this company. Don't be like Saul, all right? Don't say, well, brother, you know, uh, hey, my family's the smallest family. You know, we're a bunch of nobodies. You know, you, what, what, are you, what are you even saying that to me for? I can't do this. How far do you think that interview's going to go? That's probably about it. Well, maybe, maybe we missed it. Maybe you're not God's choice. No, don't be like that. It was obvious through the scriptures that Saul didn't want the responsibility that came with being a king. He didn't want it. The Bible says he was humble, but listen to me, if God called you to do something, this isn't being humble. This is being fearful. If he were truly humble, he'd say, hey, if God said he's going to do it with me, then he's going to do it with me. Right? The Bible says Saul was humble, but he didn't have the confidence to be king. And I wanted to point this out. This is one of my favorite scriptures, but it's also one of my favorite pictures. 
Nothing is impossible for God, and that's Luke one thirty-seven. The reason that I put my granddaughter up there is because this was locked. This picture of her was locked in my mind, and when I thought, when God does the impossible, what what kind of response should there be on our side? It's like, oh, did you see what God did? That's why I chose this picture. Plus, she's so cute. God can change a man or woman. He can give him or her whatever is lacking. Whatever is lacking. Back in the 80s, if you knew me, you would have never said, oh, wouldn't you make a great pastor? Maybe you'd say that even today. I don't know, but... Work with me here. The Lord called us, and I'm like, what? And I've said this before, and I don't mean it to sound like it does, but I'm just being honest. I didn't even like being around people. But isn't that kind of who God chooses? He takes the most unlikely and he says, you're the one. And, 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 and if it's you, you're like, huh? Really? I, I had to really digest this. I threw out a bunch of fleeces saying, Lord, if this is really you, let the dew be on the, the fur in the morning on the top side. Lord, if this is really you, let it be on the bottom side. You know, I mean, it was something like that. I didn't actually have fur doing that. But you get what I'm saying. From the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established, Lord, if this is really what you're calling us to do. And he opened the doors over and over and over to show me that this is what he wanted me to do. And here I am today. But I'll tell you, when this all started back in the 80s, this was not the path that I thought I was going to end up taking. I don't think David expected this either. We'll get to that in a minute. Saul, on the other hand, well, he might not have been right where he needed to be when God called him. But, listen to this next part, and then we'll talk about it. 1 Samuel 10, verse 8 and 9. The prophet told him, Go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instruction. Now, I want you to tuck that verse 8 away. That seven-day thing, Okay. We're going to see that again in a minute. As Saul turned and started to leave, look at this. God, say it with me, God gave him a new heart. And all of Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. Now, I don't have time to go through all of the scriptures here. In your personal studies, go back and read this. Understand what it is God did with this man. God gave Saul a new heart. And if I can put it this way, I believe he gave him a king's heart. But Saul still hadn't come to grips with it yet. His heart represents feelings, will, intellect. It's the very center of our emotions. And what the Lord did for Saul, he can do for you. Just like he did for me as well. And I, I, I just, because nothing is impossible for God. I just wanted to see her little face up there again. Oh, she's so adorable. 
there are things going on here that you and I need to see. For instance, by asking for a king, the people were sinning against God. And sin leads to what? Hardness of heart. So, chapter 10, beginning with verse 17, let's read that. This, by the way, is from the New Living Testament. Later, Samuel called the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And I, whenever I see that, I always think of umpa, <laughs> But that's, that's Greek, so anyway. <laughs> he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians, from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. Wow, there's a lot there. Did you catch what just happened? Did you catch this? God's heart was broken. You can break God's heart. Your actions can really hurt him. He is a loving being. And he experiences the same kinds of emotions that you and I experience. He knows what it means to be trampled, tromped on, trampled on. He knows what it means to receive true love, which is really what he wants from all of us. Everything he did for his people they still wanted someone else to govern them. They wanted to be like all the other people on the earth. Well, we want a king that we can name. You know, some figure that we can look at. All they could think about was having an earthly king. May God help us not to fall into that trap here where we want something so desperately that we're willing to shut him off. Verse 20, so Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. And by the way, uh, this is kind of like when the uh, uh, Super Bowl happened, and the teams that were going to decide who was going to receive first, and what they do? Flip the coin. That's kind of what's going on here, all right? We don't know exactly what it was, but that's basically the idea. So, then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin. So, the, the flipping of the coin led them to the tribe of Benjamin. Keep that one in mind, that name, because we're going to talk about this again. Before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. Now, God has already chosen him, but the people didn't know this. And yet, as they went through the lot... Flipping the coin or the thumb in the Urim, which was another technique the priests would use uh, to decide God's voice. They didn't know that God had already chosen this man, but yet it still led them to him. That's the kind of God we serve. He sets him up, he takes him down. You still with me? And finally, son of Saul of Kish... Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them, but when they looked for him, he had disappeared. Now, this is kind of funny. 
sort of. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. <laughs> so they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. Now, that line right there, that sentence, no one in all of Israel is like him. I kind of feel like that's being sarcastic on Samuel's part. No one's like him. He's going to be your king. And then it says, and all the people shouted, long live the king. Long live the king. Anyone else think it's a little strange that they just found their new king quivering in the baggage, fearful that he was going to be their new king? And yet, long, oh, we're excited. Aren't you excited about this guy? Hey, where'd they find him? Oh, he was in there fearful for his life. He did. But that's the guy we want for our king. Woohoo! Man, this is what happens when you have a hard heart. You don't hear from God. You don't see things as God sees them. And here's the irony. The people were so bent on having a man king, their hearts were so hard, that they totally ignored what God was doing here, trying to show them you really don't need a man king. You really don't. If God is for you, who can be against you? That's what Saul should have been saying to himself. Hard heart. I have a picture that someone created. And, it, and it's just an example of what happens when we start to sin. When we ignore God's voice. When we ignore God's words. When we do things our way, not His way. Our heart becomes hard. The good news is, as long as you're on this side of heaven, he can always take a jackhammer to it and expose that soft heart inside. But you've got to give it to him again. And sometimes it's painful. Amen? Have you ever noticed how easy it is to ignore the voice of God and all the warning signs that follow? Why is it so easy? Because your heart has become hardened. But the Lord, oh, this is the best part. He is ever merciful with us. Just like he was here. You see, the people should have caught this. Everything Samuel was saying to him was, look, you guys are sinning against God. You're, you're, you're moving in the wrong direction. God doesn't want you to do this. But they kept saying, we want a king, we want a king. And even after God showed them their king, their fearful king, the people still said, long live the king, long live. They completely ignored everything that the prophet and God through the prophet was trying to get them to see. We can get that way ourselves. So what did Samuel do? He said, listen, we're not in the rainy season, but God's going to make it rain. Why was he doing this? Because he wanted the people to realize that what they were doing, requiring a king, a man king, what they were doing was sinful. They still hadn't caught it. 
So Samuel prayed that it would rain, and it rained. And finally, this is what happened in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 19. Pray to the Lord your God, the people said, or we will die. They all said to Samuel, for now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Light bulb. Ding, 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 ding. But they've already chosen their king. He's going to be their king. God just wanted them to see that, look, I'm still in control. But you guys, you broke my heart. And they finally caught it. They finally caught it. The people wanted a man king over the king. That wasn't the only thing that was going on here. There was something else that was going wrong. And personally, I've never seen this before. I just caught this as I studied this out. By choosing Saul, who was from the tribe of Benjamin, the people had actually derailed the plans of the coming Messiah. God had a plan to send a Savior. Nobody knew when he was coming, but they were expecting it. But he wasn't coming from the tribe of Benjamin. And we're going to look at that. Years before, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember those guys? Father, son, grandson. Jacob is the one that actually had 12 boys. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those was Benjamin. All right? But if you go up to Matthew... Chapter 1, what you're going to see is the lineage that comes from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob doesn't come from Benjamin, it comes from Judah. So something's wrong here, all right? You still with me? Listen to this part, Genesis 49.10. I'm not going into what he said to Benjamin. Benjamin was going to be a, a, a rascal. He was going to be a fighter. The Bible says that he was going to always be in conflict with people, his tribe. They'd always be fighting with somebody. Listen to what he said about Judah. And this isn't all of it. I'm just reading part of it. Again, go back to Genesis 49 and read this. He said, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Who do you think he's talking about here? I should have put that up behind me. None other than Jesus. He's the only one who is righteous enough to hold on to that scepter. He's the only one that all nations will one day honor. In uh, Psalm 45, 6, it says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You will rule with a scepter of justice. By choosing Saul, who was a Benjamite, the people had temporarily derailed the prophecy that Jacob had predicted here back in Genesis. Thankfully, this was just a minor hiccup to God. <laughs> you know, he could, he could clear things up in a heartbeat. And that's what he was able to do. In fact, You've probably seen this scripture before, Daniel 2, 21, in the first part of it, it says, he controls, God controls the course of world events. He removes kings. He sets other kings up. That's the kind of God we serve. 
Now, we all need to hear what I'm about to say. God does have a plan and purpose for your life, for my life. Right? But when you push and push and push and ignore and ignore and ignore God's voice and his warnings, eventually the Lord is going to say, fine, have it your way. In this case, I'll let you have your king, and we'll just see where this thing leads. Saul was not a good king. He was a tyrant. The Bible says he was demon-possessed. Woo-hoo! What fun. That's what happened in 1 Samuel. The people's choice cost them. But it's what the Israelites wanted, and the Lord finally gave them their heart's desires. And if you keep going after something that God has said, no, 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 and you keep on going after it, what are you doing? Where am I? That's you. That's what's happening to you. By ignoring his voice, your heart, every time you do it, it just gets a little harder. Andy made Troy some jello yesterday. And he let the bottom layer sit too long. And so there was this, this thin layer of latex almost kind of like. And, and Andy was playing with it all night because he'd get a little piece of it. And, go, and it just. And it didn't break because it had that little, little hard part on the bottom. And that's what happens to our hearts when we ignore God. But God is able to change our situation, our circumstance. And I want you to know, too, that King Saul did have some wins. In fact, in chapter 11, uh, verse 6, it says, let me give you a little back history here. The Ammonites were ruthless to the Israelites who were on the east side of the Jordan. The ones that didn't go into the promised land, they're now contending with these wicked neighbors. And they were trying to destroy these tribes of Israel. And they finally sent it out. We need somebody to help us. If you don't help us, what they said they were going to do is bend their fingers back. Oh, they're going to take their right eye out. That's what it was. Remove every, every Israel is a sign they were going to make. Yikes. Oh boy. So they said to the Ammonite king, they said, listen, give us a week to make our decision and we'll let you know. So if they'd come under his kingship, they were all going to lose their right eye. So they, they sent a plea out. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I don't want to lose my right eye or my left. And, and it got to Saul, and, and this is finally, listen to this. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he became very angry. He finally started to be a king. What God had put in him, he gave him a righteous anger, and Saul said, not on my watch. And he started to organize all of his troops, all of the people, and he got pretty firm with them too. And they decided to go along. And of course, they ended up annihilating the Ammonites. Praise God. 
And they, the, the Jewish people didn't have to lose their right eye. But after these victories, and he had a couple more, after these victories, King Saul's true colors came out, as we're going to see here in 1 Samuel 13 and following. And I'm going to put some of that up, beginning with verse 7. Now again, I want you to remember chapter 10, verse 8. Samuel told Saul to go to Gilgal and to wait how many days? Seven. All right, see what happens here. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Why? I don't know, because they just beat the daylights out of two armies. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings, and Saul sacrificed the burnt offerings himself. You know what just hit me? The leader, anybody that the leader creates or makes, is just like the leader. The leader was a, a coward, and his, his troops are running away. I just saw that. Anyway, verse 10, just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Uh-oh. You know, God is never late. He's, he's just in time sometimes, but he's never late. Saul went out to meet and to welcome him, but Samuel said, What is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. Now, is that true? That, that's an untruth because it was the seventh day when Samuel arrived. He just didn't wait the whole seventh day. The Philistines, and then at Michmash, they're ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God that he gave you. Had you kept it, listen to this part, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Now, I don't understand how he would have done that. But if God said he was, would have done that, then he would have done that. Because we're going to see how this thing turns around here in a minute. Remember, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. How would that have lined up? But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Remember that part. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. How important is it that you and I keep the Lord's commands? If you think you can play one foot in hell, one in heaven, it isn't going to work. It never does. It never will. Because King Saul disobeyed the Lord, his reign would be cut short. He couldn't even wait the seven full days. Now many believe that this was actually a testing for Saul to see what he was made of, and obviously he failed the test, right? Plus, and this is another part of this I want you to see, he offered up strange fire, unauthorized fire. Was he a priest? Only the priest was allowed it during these times, to offer up the sacrifice. Only the priest. Back in Leviticus 10.1, Aaron had two sons, Nadab and Abihu, and both of those guys offered up strange fire, and they were consumed. 
Now, Saul didn't get consumed, but certainly he's going to pay a price. He continued to operate as king for a season, but he operated miserably. If you know of Saul, you, you remember this. I mean, he was so miserable that they, they called David in to play the harp the, or guitar. What was it? The harp. He played the harp, which would calm Saul's spirit down, literally. And then when he'd stop playing, he'd get all anxious again, and then he started throwing spears and things at people like David. That's how miserable this man was. He just he couldn't even live with himself. Our next character, the right character, the good character is David. Hallelujah. Finally, we're getting there. 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Woohoo! Watch this. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Remember what I said about anointing someone? That's considered election. By the prophet doing this, he was basically committing treason against Saul. And he had to go right by Saul's house to get to where he was going, Bethlehem. It's kind of cool that he was going to Bethlehem too. Somebody else came from Bethlehem. I don't know if you remember that one or not. But He said, if Saul hears about this, he'll kill me. So the Lord said, take a heifer and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Anybody else troubled by that? God just told him not necessarily to lie, but not to tell the whole truth. Sometimes as a leader, you don't want to say the whole truth. You're, you're trying to spare people from harm. It's not like you're trying to be deceiving. You just know what the outcome would be if you, if you actually gave them the whole thing. I believe that's what God was trying to do here, was to spare the people because he knew the kinds of uh, battles it would lead to. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? The, the prophet was a powerful position. And the first thing that, I'm sure the people already heard that, that he had had a strained relationship with Saul. So the people are probably wondering, all right, is he going to come here and try to get us to help him to, to join his army? Because if he is, I don't want to have to deal with Saul. Then Saul want to come after us. That's what they're thinking here. They didn't want to go to war with Saul. Listen to what Samuel says. Yes, I've come in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now this is the prophet speaking here. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. 
The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If we all practiced this, there'd be no more division in the church. If we all stopped looking at the outward appearance of of people, we'd recognize the purity in people. What God sees in you and me. Anyway. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this isn't the one. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. Shimei. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Uh Uh-oh. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not eat. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought, and he anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. The Lord's choice was different than the people's choice. He had Samuel anoint this boy, this shepherd boy, the son of Jesse, who was from the tribe of, wait for it, Judah. Now things are right again. Now things are right where they need to be. And if you go to Matthew chapter 1 and you read that lineage, you'll see Judah leading down to David. All precursors to the Messiah, Jesus. The first king was tall, muscular, and in his 30s, the second was a shepherd boy, handsome, courageous, but other than that, he was no one special. The Lord wasn't looking at the exterior, he was looking at the inner man, the heart. And the question begs to be asked, what did David have that Saul did not? Let me share just a couple things here, and this is moving ahead. I think I skipped over something here. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Matthew 22, 37 and 38, Jesus gives us a clue. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the Greek word cardia, which is also where we get the word cardiology, all right? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, this is the first and greatest command. And I I just had a little bit of that below that, just explaining that. You got it. So today, God wants us to have a heart after Him. He wants us to be all in when it comes to our relationship with Him, similar to what David was. In fact, I wanted to take this just one more step with Luke 12, 12, 34. Jesus makes this very clear. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You see, the people in in Saul's time, their heart wasn't with God. If it was, they would have never said, we want a man king. 
They would have realized what they had. They had God Himself. They didn't need a man king. We're in the same boat. You know, what kind of stuff do you have in your life that takes preeminence over Him? In fact, if I can paraphrase this, which I am, where you place your best stuff, that's where your affections are. I really had to stop and do inventory. As much as I love my daughter and my granddaughter, my daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, if any or either of those ever takes priority over God, they become an idol. And as much as I love my granddaughter, she's still below God in my book. But we all have to do inventory. Because if we don't, and if we allow stuff, our stuff, to become more important than God, then what ends up happening is our heart becomes hardened because you're sinning against Him. And the more you sin against the Lord, the more your heart gets hard. You got it? A couple more, and then I'm wrapping it up. The worship team wants to start coming up. Acts 13, 22. Here, Paul was preaching in Antioch, and he said, But God removed Saul, as king, and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Why? Because he will do everything I want him to do. And my question to you is this. Ask yourself this. Would you stand with me? Will I do everything? Will I do everything that God wants me to do? Saul didn't. Saul wouldn't. And his heart became hard. David was not perfect, and yet God still said about him, he's a man after my own heart. So you don't have to be perfect. Hopefully you don't murder someone to get the babe, which is what happened. And David repented, and God still restored him to kingship. But what we need to understand is that if there's anything more important to us than God himself. All of us, all of us need to serve him. The second that David stepped into that position to serve the Lord, God's anointing came on him. And every time that he did something for the Lord, the Holy Spirit came on him even stronger and even stronger and even stronger. And this is the last scripture that I, I'm going to share. Romans 2.29. Paul's having a conversation with some of the Jewish people and he said, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And you could say here, anybody's heart. A true Christian is right if his heart is right with God. So this would apply to us equally as it would with the Jew. True circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, 
Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise. And some of the versions actually say this. They say, or receives praise from God. So let me say it like that. And a person with a changed heart receives praise from God, not from people. What's more important to you? Getting the affirmation of people or getting the affirmation from your Heavenly Father? Yes, Lord. Saul wanted the people to give him the praise. David didn't want any of it. Amen. And he refused to take it. He obeyed the commands of the Lord most of the time. Until he had that law. But I believe we're created just like these men. And it's up to us whether we walk out of here today with a hard heart or a soft heart. As this song plays, if you feel like you just want God to do some work on you, maybe you're not in that place where you feel like, oh man, my heart's hard, but you just know that you don't want it to become hard. Or maybe you're here and you need the jackhammer of the Holy Ghost to begin working at you like mine last Sunday. I want you to come up as we're singing this song. Let, let the Lord minister to you as we sing this.